Well, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy. But BYU gets the win in Albuquerque, beating SMU 24-23. We're breaking down the New Mexico Bowl on today's edition of Locked on Cougars. You are Locked on Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I have him, of course, in Albuquerque in my hotel room. As you can see, the decor behind me, not my typical studio setup in my house, but getting ready to travel home after BYU beats SMU 24-23. But a quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right. Uh, I apologize for the, the, I guess the lateness of getting this episode out to you guys sat down when I got back to my hotel room around midnight last night, I was going to sit down, record a postcast as you typically do post game. But for whatever reason, my laptop, none of my devices would connect to the Wi-Fi here at the hotel I'm staying at. So I figured, you know what, let's just call it a night. We'll get up and we'll knock one out now. So we'll essentially call this our Monday edition of the show and uh, apologies. Probably gonna have a lack of your guys' responses as we typically do, but thank you to all of you for all of your uh, stuff that you send in via social media, YouTube, et cetera. But BYU, as we mentioned, gets the win over SMU 24 to 23. Uh, Think about this, folks. BYU's history against SMU is a four wins to zero losses, two of those games coming in bowl games 42 years apart. BYU took on SMU in the Holiday Bowl back in 1980. Of course, that wild rally to win it by one point, 46 to 45 for Lavelle Edwards and Jim McMahon. This game, BYU, they were in control in the third quarter, but then SMU starts to mount a comeback, and ultimately, Jacob Robinson is the hero as he makes a tackle, a fantastic tackle, as SMU opted to go for a two-point conversion. They decided to spread things out and go QB draw and Jacob Robinson reads it, gets up into the hole, makes a great form tackle, and drags Mordecai down, Tanner Mordecai down, short of the goal line to get BYU the victory. They did have to obviously uh, have an onside kick attempt coming up after that, but that kick sailed out of bounds, and BYU took one knee, and that's all she wrote. So I guess my overall takeaway is a win is a win is a win. BYU finishes the season 8-5. and five. We'll do more of a post-mortem, a look back at the season in its totality in coming days here on the podcast, but let's talk about this game in particular. All that really mattered in this one, without guys like Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua playing, uh, they were unavailable, uh, whether that was due to in Puka's case, I assume he opted out. Kalani Satake tried to couch it saying he's been dealing with nagging injuries. Okay, that very well may be the case, but this is a guy that when he's been available has been on the field. I think he made a business decision in his best interest getting ready for the senior bowl because I'm fully expecting him to declare for the NFL draft. Jaron Hall was unavailable due to health. He Obviously, all of us saw that boot on his right ankle uh, when he was coming down the, the jetway when they landed here in Albuquerque on Wednesday afternoon. So unavailable in that game. And Soljay Maiava Peters goes the distance at quarterback for BYU in this game. Uh, pretty meager statistics for Soljay, passing-wise especially. 7 of 12 passing, 47 yards. And his final pass was an interception that he tossed with 12 minutes, and I think 12 minutes and 2 seconds to go in the third quarter. BYU never attempted a pass after that. They went almost an entire second half. They actually never completed a pass in the second half en route to this victory. 
pretty stunning that BYU could win it in that fashion. But they used what was at times a dominant run game, but at times it wasn't as dominant as you would have expected it to. They carried it 42 times for 209 yards, averaging a healthy average of just over five yards per carry. That's a very healthy output for BYU rushing-wise. But had you had any semblance of a passing attack in that second half, it might have not been as close as it was for BYU. The defense, I thought, did all things considered as depleted as the BYU defense was, I thought they performed quite admirably. And uh, I got to give Ben Bywater credit. He read that pass incredibly well, picks off Tanner Mordecai, and he's off to the races, 70, whatever, 76 yards officially uh, down the stretch there on the sideline to get that touchdown. And I felt like that in many ways was the play of the game for BYU. Uh, if Bywater doesn't do that, think of how uh, like stuck in neutral BYU's offense had been in that circumstance. And had he not done that, who knows how this game turns out. So uh, overall, we'll, we'll get more into the nitty-gritty here in just a minute, but my overall takeaway is that BYU, all you needed was to get a dub. That's all that mattered. BYU gets the victory. They finish the season on a four-game win streak. Uh, they obviously bounced back from that absolutely horrendous October run where they lost four straight. So the crazy thing about this is BYU is 8-5 and five on the season. It's the fourth time in Independence they have finished 8-5. and five. And this one feels a lot different. I think those other 8-5s and fives did in, if you look back at BYU's Independent era because this 8-5, and five, considering how the season went, you'll take that. It gives BYU a little bit of momentum going into the offseason. This is a program very much in transition uh they had they had uh half of the coaching staff i guess official uh on-field coaching staff a lot of gas and uh analysts filling in roles for especially that defensive staff but i, I thought the byu performed admirably all things considered in this game and you can't take away that you get the win that's all that mattered and when byu needed big plays think about it they got the big plays when they needed them soljay maava peter scoring his first touchdown to give byu their first touchdown of the game to give them a seven to three lead jake oldroyd comes in and becomes byu's all-time leading scorer with a career total of 336 points actually he had he added to that later i think it's now 337 points uh, I'm doing the math in my head. No, 338. Apologies. He has 338 career points now, passing both Owen Potchman and Mitch Payne in the process. He ends his BYU career in fine fashion with a pretty successful kicking performance. Didn't necessarily come down to his leg to win the game, but he made a field goal, and especially how uh, dicey kicking field goals was earlier on in the season. That's a win for BYU. Ben Bywater, a fantastic individual effort on that interception return for the touchdown, but he also had 11 tackles. He led BYU's defense. He seemed to be in every single play out there, it felt like, just chasing plays sideline to sideline. Huge in that instance. Jacob Robinson, as I mentioned, saves the game, wins the game essentially for BYU with a fantastic tackle on that QB draw late in this game as SMU said, you know what? We're not playing for overtime here. We're going to go for the win. And Jacob Robinson read it, gets up in the hole and just sticks his head in there and gets Mordecai to the ground. That's it's all you need in that instance. I, I know the SMU, uh, they had tried to run that play. It felt like, I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to ask SMU and they will never give this up, but I felt like in many ways, why in the world did SMU come out, spread it out like they were going to run the QB draw? BYU calls timeout after seeing the formation. And then what does SMU do? Say, you know what? We still got this. Let's run the exact same play. I would have changed it up. If you're, if you're, you can still run the same play, but don't have the same formation out there. Don't flex four guys to the, to the wide side of the field, or I guess the left side of the field with one guy to the right. Don't run the same formation. You can still run QB draw, but don't flex out the exact same way that you were doing it. And maybe they were trying to run a different play, but it's sure looked like the exact same formation and the same mentality even after the timeouts that BYU took. But I guess, yeah, I go back to this. 
all that mattered for BYU in this instance was to find a way to win the game. And they did just by one point, 24 to 23. I, I said on our Cougar pregame show on the KSL sports, when I saw BYU winning this one narrow 28 to 27, I'll take 24 to 23. I thought BYU would actually have to really grind the clock uh, time of possession wise. They held a big advantage in time of possession uh, early on in this game. It didn't end up that way. I'm actually pulling it up right now. Team stats here's time of possession uh, in this game, 31 minutes and 35 seconds for BYU against 28 minutes and 25 seconds. Seconds. I actually think SMU in this in that fourth quarter in particular, with their ability to move the ball, they actually uh even that up pretty tight in the fourth quarter because through three quarters, BYU is absolutely dominant in time of possession. But all that matters at the end of the day, as we talk about all the time on this podcast, is you want to see your team have more points on the scoreboard than the other team at the end of the game. And that's exactly what BYU did. All right, we'll dig more into this. I got some thoughts on the overall offensive performance. We'll talk about we'll also just the defensive performance performance as well. And also it's the end of independence, my friends. Uh, what does it mean for BYU? What are some of the memories we'll have of that? We'll talk about all of that in just a minute. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at LinkedIn. Of course, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates that are available, and that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is helping you find the right people for your team faster and for free. The best part about this is you can finish off the year strong. I know we're in the final weeks of 20. 22 going into 2023, but get a head start on the new year by using our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. You can create a free job post in just minutes over on LinkedIn Jobs, and then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to help spread the word that you are hiring. They feature simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. The best part is it's why small businesses are rating LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs is helping you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free once again at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Thank you once again for joining us here on Locked On Cougars. Want a quick reminder for you guys, make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's got everything you need to know about this uh, night in sports in 23 minutes, I know 22 minutes or less. It's got the biggest stories around the sports world. And the best part, it's got instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day that's locked on sports today available on this app youtube or wherever you get your podcasts all right so uh in terms of individual performances in this game i already highlighted a bunch of them i thought ben bywater was ben bywater was absolutely phenomenal for byu in this game but i do need to give a shout out to sol j mayava peters this is a guy for this entire season has been mired on the depth chart at in the fourth spot he was elevated to the third spot with Cade fennigan's injury and a number of you tweeted at me during the game especially late when BYU would seemingly just was not going to throw the football with Soljay Maiava Peters asking, why isn't Cade Finnegan in this game? Well, Kalani Sitake said it in pregame that it sounded like the injury that Cade Finnegan was dealing with, it was a foot injury, if I recall correctly, it popped up right at the end of October and really sidelined him throughout all of November. To me, if Cade Finnegan was unavailable, that's why, because I think his foot injury probably flared back up and he was just unavailable to play in this game. It, I, honestly, I think if BYU had had any faith in Cade Finnegan and he was cleared to go or was able to go, they probably would have put him in in certain instances to try and throw that ball late in the game because 
that's what he's known more for than a guy like Soljay. Soljay's known more for his ability as a dual threat quarterback, and that's exactly what he did in this game. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but uh, I just don't think Cade Finnegan was healthy. So now the big thing is uh, you put Soljay in there, you ride him this entire game. He ends up seven of 12 passing for 47 yards. It's an average of 3.9 yards per carry, and he sh- should have had a touchdown. Chase Roberts let him down. It was, a, it was a low pass. I get all that. Chase Roberts had to go to the ground to try and haul that pass in, but the wide receiver, a lot of uh, guys will tell you if you get your hands on it you're supposed to catch it and that ball was a catchable ball. it should have been a touchdown pass for soldier Maiava peters but alas he ends up 7 of 12 47 yards like i said an average of 3.9 yards and then one interception his qb rating 63.4 nothing to write home about but he was very very good in the rush game ended up with 14 carries 96 yards leading byu in rushing had the one touchdown along a 17 on the on the game. And what I love to see about a guy like Soldier Maiava Peters, and I said this on the podcast, what he is, is he's the most true dual threat quarterback BYU has on this roster. And what does Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator, do in that instance? He decides, you know what, we're gonna go spread option. We're gonna run read options. We're gonna run midline options. He was he was given Soldier full control. If any of you play NCAA football running that spread offense like I do, I was I run those exact same plays, read options, midline options, letting the quarterback dictate what is going to happen in this game. And Soldier was electric with his feet there are multiple times it seemed like a, a defender had a beat on him you can think of that sack that the defender went high and soldier just kind of sidestepped it and gets out of there there were multiple times it seemed like he was going to the uh, sideline and you think that the defender is going to meet him on the angle that they have and he just had enough of a fleet fleet of foot to get around the edge there fantastic pickups like i said 96 yards nothing to sniff at i think for his first career start and who knows what the future is going to hold for soldier he may end up that might be the, the only start he ever makes in his byu career depending on how things go but all he can tell everybody is in my first and maybe only start i got the win for byu led them to a victory in a bowl and that's uh, and our good friend jimmy out there i know that you you texted me can we get this in there let's just call him Bull J. Bull J. Mayava Peters wins the game for BYU. Now, other guys I really liked in this game. Uh, Christopher Brooks, in his final game in a BYU uniform, his final game as a college player, ends up uh, second on the team in rushing, 19 carries, 88 yards, had a 22-yard touchdown run that was absolutely phenomenal. But you got to give a shout-out to Houston Haymuley, BYU fullback, a guy that has been talked about time and time and time again this entire season with the lack of touches that he has been given. But he shows up big in that instance, comes out on a down block, gets the defensive end, seals them off, and Christopher Brooks springs for 22 yards and a touchdown. Absolutely phenomenal play. And again, I have credit to Brooks. He, he read it nicely, but that down block, that, that block by Houston Hamuli was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Hamuli also came in uh, in a, a, a kind of, they call it like the bush push, Lendell White type of deal, where he came be right behind Soldier Mojave Peters on a third and short, just pushes him forward enough on a QB sneak to get the touchdown. It's crazy what happens when you have a fullback in the game. And I know a number of you, uh, JT Lamoureux in particular, uh, with some comments in game, actually after the game as well, saying that who knows what might have happened in some of those games, those close losses for BYU, had they decided, you know what, let's bring Houston Haymuli in on those third and fourths and shorts. I, hindsight's twenty twenty. I get all that, but I think BYU, they're going to go back, they're going to reevaluate this film, and I would imagine they'll probably look at it and say, maybe we should have had more of a fullback presence because Houston Haymuli was one of the preeminent, if not the preeminent fullback in all of college football while he was at Stanford. This is a guy who was a team captain, was all Pac-12 caliber during his time. He didn't get many touches at Stanford, but what he was was a phenomenal fullback. That means... You don't get the glory. You do the dirty work. You're getting blocks on linebackers, defensive ends, safeties, et cetera. 
but you are paving the way for guys to have their, their chance, speaking of running backs, et cetera, to have their chance to celebrate in the end zone. And it's a thankless job, but it's unfortunate it took until the 13th and final game of the season to really see Houston Haymuley in a large role for BYU. But alas, he gets to uh, celebrate with his teammates with their eighth win of the season. Now, other uh, things that stood out to me, I, I thought in the passing game, like we only have 47 yards, you can't really point to much, but it was good to see Isaac Rex uh, contributing once again. He actually had the long pass of the game. It was a 27-yard uh, reception for BYU on a little bit of a play-action look from Soljay Mava Peters. Actually, maybe his finest pass downfield, and, and none of them really uh, were all that great downfield. And that's, I think, going to be the bugaboo uh, for a guy like Soljay if he wants to be the next quarterback at BYU. He's got to be able to throw the ball effectively. And his his throwing wasn't necessarily all that bad, but his inability to, to take shots downfield and deliver balls accurately downfield hurt BYU's offense. That's one thing that both Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, the last two quarterbacks that Aaron Roderick has had at the controls of his offense, and even Baylor Romney that they've had, is the ability to, to attack downfield, to get those chunk yardage. And there were a couple of throws that Soljay uh, had opportunities on. I speak of that one to Chase Roberts. He probably should have hauled that in for the touchdown. But there's other throws that Soljay, they just came out weird. I don't know what it was. His release was off. Uh, it got affected with his throwing motion. I don't know what happened, but it just wasn't good enough in that instance for Soljay. And uh, if, like I said, if he wants to be the next quote-unquote guy at quarterback for BYU, he's got to work this offseason on that on his ability to attack downfield. And like I said, it may very well be that he he's this is his first and only start in a BYU uniform, but at the same time, he he got he got the win. <laughs> I know that QB wins are a weird statistic, but he is one for one if you're keeping track at home. Now, on the defensive side of the football, I already mentioned Ben Bywater. 11 total tackles, four of them solo. The interception returned for a touchdown. But Pepe Tanuvasa, in his final game in a BYU uniform, with a depleted uh, linebacking core, he finishes with maybe the quietest 10-tackle performance you're ever going to see. Uh, that's what I loved about Pepe is there was no fanfare with a lot of what he did for BYU in this game. He just went out and, and got the job done. Uh, Jacob Robinson, also with that game-saving tackle, finishes with nine. He was third on the team uh, in tackles. Caleb Hayes in his final game as a Cougar, eight uh, tackles, five of them solo. Tyler Batty had six tackles, also had a tackle for loss. John Nelson had a huge sack. Many of you will recall uh, that, that, that sack that he had early on in the game, but uh, you would have thought, okay, that's maybe the biggest uh, defensive sack of BYU season. But then later on in the game, another guy who's playing in his final game in a BYU uniform, Alden Tofa. And I, I got to give credit to Alden Tofa, a 60 year senior, a guy who's just kind of hung around and hung around and hung around for BYU. He goes out there and Tanner Mordecai looked like he was going to slip a little bit, but Tofa kind of like put his hands up trying to like see if he can deflect the pass. But Mordecai just couldn't find an alley to throw the ball and ends up with a 15 yard loss on that play. Absolutely phenomenal play and a great way for Alden Tofu, who finished with four total tackles in this game to cap his BYU career with maybe a, a, just one of the biggest plays of this game that uh, maybe got lost in the calculus, that sack that he made, because it was actually going to put SMU in pretty good uh, field position, maybe to try a long field goal. Was that fourth down? No, I think it was fourth down. I apologize. But the, the biggest thing is it actually made field position much better for BYU. A 15-yard loss on that sack. Absolutely crazy. And the other thing about this, on BYU as a, as a defense as a whole, think about what they were doing late in that game. They were actually getting pressure on Mordecai. Like They were getting a pass rush. I don't know if I need to uh, give a shout-out to Vince Feula and uh, Jen Jordan. No, I actually do need to give him a shout-out. These are two guys who have been analysts with BYU for quite a while. Feula's been around forever, and Jan's been around for the last year or so. Both of them, former defensive linemen for BYU, they transformed this BYU pass rush. And I know that SMU maybe isn't necessarily the greatest offensive line, 
line that you've ever seen in your your life. But BYU was getting a pass rush. Did they get home enough? No, they didn't. But you saw them making pass rush moves and getting pressure on Mordecai and making his life uncomfortable in the pocket in there. And that that's to be celebrated if you're BYU. They finished with the two total sacks. Hold Mordecai to just 218 yards passing. They hold SMU to 171 yards rushing. It's an average of 3.4 yards per carry. Like those numbers, those are winning numbers for BYU. And that's that's all that matters. They got enough out of the out of the defense to get the dub. And that's what you want if you're a BYU fan. And I know that the defense is going to probably look very, very different. Uh, this time next year, hopefully, at least that's what we're hoping, with a guy like Jay Hill in charge of the defense. But Kalani Satake and his mishmash of GAs, analysts, et cetera, that were helping him out, they they did their job, and that's that's to be celebrated. All right, so a final thing before we uh, wrap it up here from Albuquerque is I'm going to just share some thoughts on independence for BYU, just the, the 12 years of BYU out there as an independent in football. They now are getting ready for the Big 12. Uh, Kalani Satake, as he said last night, let's go. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. First, though, a word on our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to the college bowl season to basketball and beyond. They've got it all at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on Bet Online as well. They are the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting information and also place your bets as well. Get your wagers in. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more now. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. UCCU is offering a 15 month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. The best part is during any time of that 15 months, you have that savings certificate, you can jump up to a higher rate of return anytime. Uh, just it's a one time jump. And we all know the interest rates are continuing to rise. The Fed actually just did this this past week and inflation is continuing to kind of sit steady hopefully it'll go down but the good news is uccu is here to help you guys take advantage of this period of high inflation and high interest rates and they do it with that savings certificate like i said it's a 15 month savings certificate that incredibly high apy of 4.00 percent that's far better than any of your savings accounts your money markets that type of stuff that's that's the best part about it and you also can start the savings certificate for as low as 500 making it an awesome opportunity for every type of savings both big and small. Just remember though, you need to get into UCCU, whether you stop into one of their branches in person, go online to uccu.com or call them to get started now. The offer is only available for a limited time. So if you have savings that are just sitting in a standard savings account, get a UCCU savings certificate. That way your savings can start working harder and earn you more. Once again, visit uccu.com to get a savings certificate today. You can do that, like I said, going in person, online, or give them a call. Get started today. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Uh, if the video and audio quality aren't necessarily as good as they are typically, like I said, I'm in Albuquerque, just about ready to head over to the airport to fly home. Uh, I haven't had a chance to finish the basketball game, BYU and Utah, in its entirety. I actually had to leave at halftime of that game to get over to the stadium for the New Mexico Bowl. So, I'll probably have more for you guys. I'm actually going to watch that on the uh, plane ride home, get more of my insight. Also watch the BYU football game in its entirety, get you, get you my film review as well. We'll get to those probably on the Tuesday edition of the podcast uh, for you. I'm actually posting this. I'm going to post this on Sunday. We'll count it as our Monday edition of the show. But if I get home tonight and I've already got some thoughts, maybe I'll sit down and do a, a shorter edition to get, get caught up on all that. But regardless, thank you for your support. And thank you to all of you. Uh, there's a pretty good representation, I thought, for BYU fans, all things considered 
gathered at that game at University Stadium. They announced 22,209 people as the attendance. And now when it comes to attendance figures, there's no way that 22,000 people are at that game. What it is is they, they're announcing tickets sold or tickets given away. That's how many tickets they were able to give away and sell out in the community. I'd imagine I think the crowd probably ended up in the – Eight to 10,000 range, maybe at the very, very most. But uh, I thought BYU fans, we were sitting across uh, from BYU sidelines. So we saw the vast majority of BYU fans, and there were far more BYU fans in the stands than SMU fans. So a uh, good representation from you out there in Cougar Nation. But uh, celebrating the end, end of independence, folks, it has been 12 long years, 155 wins. I actually tweeted this out. I'm going to pull it up on my phone right now. Uh, obviously, I'm a professional here. You know how we do. All right. So I said this uh, BYU's in independence. They have. Uh, uh, 12 years, 12 seasons overall. So I said 155 games played, 99 wins. And I just being a guy who likes benchmark numbers to finish on 99 wins as an independent, you couldn't get us a hundred wins, make it really easy for us. No, 99 wins in independence, 25 victories over power five teams. Like I said, 12 seasons, 11 of those winning seasons, obviously the four nine debacle in 2017, the alone blemish in that run nine seasons of eight plus wins pretty consistent winning uh seven bowl victories four seasons of eight wins three seasons of 10 wins uh two nine win seasons and of course uh 2020 the lone 11 win season for byu there are also two top 25 finishes in that run uh, i believe it was seven victories over uh, to- over top 25 teams it's been a really really fun time to be a BYU fan. And now the new era of BYU football, like if you go back through the history, BYU has been through so many different eras. Think about the futility for the first 50 years. BYU was as a football program from 1922 officially until 1972. They had a couple of moments in there that they had some success, but when Lavelle Edwards takes over the next 50 years, this is the 50 years anniversary of Lavelle Edwards uh, being BYU's head coach. Those, the back half of this hundred years, the back 50 years for BYU, BYU completely different flipped on its head a national championship in that run now in independence BYU finishes it off and now a hundred years I guess it'd be 101 years after they officially started playing football BYU will begin an era next summer officially as a member of the power five and the big 12 conference a lot of us has been waiting on this for uh, well, almost two years now it's been a long time coming and Kalani said it last night in his post-game press conference I've asked my players not to talk about this but now it's time we can talk about it it's, it's uh, let's go we're excited we're ready to get to the Big 12. It's going to be an offseason full of change and work, and that's exactly what's already going on with BYU. They whack their entire defensive staff, Sands, General Guilford. Jay Hill comes in as the defensive coordinator and associate head coach. Kelly Papinga is on staff once again. BYU is going to have to hire at least two more assistants. Who knows if any other attrition will happen with this coaching staff. A guy like Fessy Satake and or Steve Clark could be in the mix for the Weaver State head coaching position. That would open up positions potentially on BYU staff, but the, and obviously the player attrition. There are a number of guys who played in that game last night, as I mentioned, were playing their final games as a Cougar, whether they're going to the NFL draft, they're just out of eligibility, or they've simply decided it's time to move on with life. This is a huge, huge offseason, a lot of change, but it's been a fun independent era. Uh, I was sitting with Mitch Harper, my compatriot at KSL Sports. We had a tandem down here uh, covering the game for kslsports.com, the KSL Sports Zone, and uh, KSL TV. And we were talking about this, like how many seasons do you cover for BYU? And if you go all the way back, folks, my run as a professional journalist has been this independent era for BYU. I have done uh, 12 seasons of BYU football. All of the independent years is what I have covered BYU in an official capacity for. 
before. If you go back to my intern year, uh, working with Gregor Bell over at then KSL News Radio, I have 13 seasons under my belt. But as an intern, I don't really count that because I was so green. I didn't necessarily know down from up. It felt like I was just trying to keep my head above water. But it's been a really, really fun run. And I, I enjoyed independence. There were a lot of highs with that, a lot of lows as well. Think of the different uh, bowl games BYU you played in. A lot of them just, eh, whatever. Now, it's big boy football. This is an opportunity for BYU to really, really do what a lot of you out there have been just uh, crying for BYU to do is to get to the big time, to play big time football. And that's what's coming. It's going to require a lot of upgrades for BYU. And they're already doing that. They've upgraded the the, the salary pool for assistance. They're doing their best in the transfer portal. And that's obviously going to continue. Signing day this coming week, maybe BYU's best rated class in all of the independent era coming in that early signing period. We'll of course break that down on Wednesday when those signatures start rolling in. But it's crazy uh, to look at all the different changes that have happened for BYU over the past 12 years, but at the same time, now looking ahead, how many more changes need to happen for BYU? But the good news is it's here. It's time. It's time to get ready for, for being a Big 12 program. This is the, the time for BYU to put up or shut up. Is it going to be a bumpy ride, at least in the early going? Absolutely. Uh, honestly, I think six and six, I guess I've talked about on this podcast, might be the overarching goal for BYU in year one of the Big 12 era. We'll obviously have to see how the, the roster shakes out when we finally get to see a schedule. Who knows? That might be coming in February uh, at this point, whatever. Whenever it shows up, we'll talk about it. But the good news is it's time. The big independence is over. It was Nice while it lasted, but now it's time for BYU to step up and be a member of the Big 12. And that I am very, very excited for. All right, that's going to do it for myself. I am signing off from Albuquerque. I'll be headed home. Uh, Obviously, like I said, I'll be watching the games, both basketball and football on my flight home. Get you some thoughts on that. Uh, See if I can get another edition out to you guys soon. But regardless, thank you for your support. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. If you want more on the Big 12 as a whole, conference-wide, check out Locked On Big 12. Make that your second listen of the day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That'll do it for myself. Like I said, on my way home from Albuquerque. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars Podcast. See ya.